Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed, seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rock, rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what they see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear, then, the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitful deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, it in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds. 
among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants and, uh, of, of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the wheat, uh, the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that, that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net, that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will grow, or, sorry, so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house 
who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. The word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. Um, Context is really important. Uh, At this point, the disciples have been with Jesus for uh, about a a year and a half. it's the midpoint of his ministry. They've left, some of them have left their nets. As we heard in chapter 4, Matthew left his tax collecting both booth in chapter 9. Uh, they've left their families. Um, they've heard Jesus teach uh, the Sermon on the Mount. They've heard Jesus prepare them to go on mission, prepare them for persecution and uh, for um, ministry as sheep among wolves. He's told them not to fear men and uh, that he came to bring not peace but a sword. And he talked to them and prepared them for mission. Uh, We saw that John the Baptist had doubts and Jesus pointed him back to the scriptures and encouraged him uh, to realign his understanding of God's word and the way God's kingdom comes. Uh, But then Jesus goes on to pronounce judgment judgment among three cities and uh, he says basically they're deaf the people are not repenting they did not repent and then Jesus prays out loud at the end of chapter 11 thanking the father and revealing who he is in his relationship to the father and then his great gospel invitation come to me all who labor and are heavy laden I will give you rest Uh, Two weeks ago, we looked at this uh, controversy around rest. Um, And Jesus says that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Something greater here than the, uh, something is greater here than the temple itself. He also goes on in chapter 12 uh, to reveal himself in the midst of rising hostility. And so um, things are getting intense. And Jesus' fame is rising, so is the hostility. And with that happening, he starts speaking in parables. And so Jesus' disciples have a lot of questions. They're like, why, why, why aren't you speaking clearly? Uh, why are you speaking in riddles, in a sense, or mysteries, or, or in a mysterious way? Well, at the end of chapter 12, we saw that there were some who were outside of the house and some who were inside. And Jesus' mother Uh, His brothers came. They were outside. Uh, But Jesus looked around those who were his disciples, and he said, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. And so the disciples must have been uh, weary at this point. Maybe the the new excitement had worn off. I don't know if you've 
Um, you know, when I moved to Kuwait, there's a lot of excitement and uh, mixed, mingled with uh, fears. Um, but all of that stuff had worn off, and they're kind of in the grind of it now. Uh, an intense battle, spiritual battle. Um, Jesus is going confrontation head on with the Pharisees. And he says, if the Spirit of God, uh, if it's by the Spirit of God I'm doing these miracles, casting out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here, is what Jesus is making very clear to his disciples. But the disciples might be thinking, is this it? <laughs> I mean, how can God's kingdom really be dawning? It seems to not be here in the way that we expected. And so Jesus has for them several parables. Um, these parables are for the crowds, um, but they're also for his disciples. And they're, um, there's a helpful way to group these. Um, uh, the first two parables can be seen as big field parables. You have the parable of the sower and the parable of the weeds. Uh, Jesus will revisit these and interpret them for the disciples. Uh, the second two um, parables, parable three and four, are little seed uh, parables. So we have big field parables, the parable of the soils or the sower, and then the, the weeds, and then a little seed, um, the mustard seed, and the leaven, you know, yeast, uh, like, like a seed. Not technically not a seed, but uh, you get my drift. Um, and uh, next, you can group the next two parables as like uh, treasure parables or gem parables. There's the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. So we have two, two, and two. And then there's one final one, the, the gospel net, uh, this massive uh, net of the end of the age. And then I add a, an epilogue. <laughs> Jesus talks about, about new and old treasures. So we're looking at seven parables here. Um, with an epilogue, so eight. And uh, in these parables, we see that Jesus is explaining the nature of his kingdom. Um, and so the first parables, I, I mean, before we, we look and see what are these, the question that, that immediately arises is the disciples ask, why? Why parables? And parables do two things. Uh, parables reveal and parables conceal. And Jesus in uh, verse 10 uh, talks only to the disciples. He turns away from the crowds and these secrets, he says here, and here's the key, verse 11. He answered them, the disciples, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And so that, that might seem a little bit counterintuitive, like, Jesus, don't you want to spread your kingdom? Why, why are you keeping secrets? Um, well, God in his uh, sovereignty, God in, his, in the way of his kingdom, um, he doesn't reveal all truth to everyone. In fact, much truth remains like the treasure buried in the, in the, in the field, and people just trample over it every day and don't, don't understand it. Matthew tells us that this is a fulfillment of prophecy. Um, Isaiah chapter 6 uh, is mentioned several times in the New Testament. Uh, verse 15 here, uh, For this people's hearts 
has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Uh, and so, so God shows us uh, um, one of the reasons why uh, Jesus is speaking his, in parables is to intentionally reveal secrets, the secrets of the kingdom to his disciples, but not reveal them to those who are hostile to him, those with hardened hearts or uh, self-indulgent hearts um, or those with shallow hearts, actually. And so we see that among the first explanation of the parable, the parable of the sower. Verses 18 to 23. Uh, you're familiar with these soils, probably. Um, but I just want to look carefully at Jesus' explanation. Um, they ask him to explain on several times, and he does. And, and the word that really stands out is here. He tells his disciples, here, here. Um, the crowds, they have a heart, they have ears, they have eyes, but their heart is dull. They can barely hear, uh, Jesus says, and their eyes are closed. But for the disciples, Jesus wants disciples' hearts to be um, wide open and their ears to be wide open, their eyes to be wide open. And so he explains to them, and it's interesting, uh, he doesn't explain everything, <laughs> So uh, parables, uh, what is a parable? Um, in short, it's an earthly story using everyday, um, everyday, everyday uh, things <laughs> with a heavenly meaning or an extended metaphor. But Jesus doesn't say every single point has an exact meaning. It's not uh, open for us just to say, well, this means whatever. Um, Jesus gives us the meaning, thankfully, for this first parable. And he says here that the, the parable of the sower, uh, the first, first one, the, the, the seed was scattered on the path. And it says here um, that the evil one comes and snatches away the seed. So who's responsible? The devil. He's responsible. But also um, the individual. There's a human responsibility not understanding. The heart is hardened. And so a few examples in Scripture that I can think of would be Pharaoh uh, in, the, in Egypt, in the Exodus. Um, he was a hard-hearted man. Um, he didn't receive the word from God. Uh, and, but he was given the word. He heard the word. Uh, but here in Matthew's Gospel, of course, the Pharisees um, and, and the scribes, they are hostile to um, the word of God coming through Jesus. At the end of this chapter, we see those in Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. They're astonished. Uh, they see his mighty works. Um, but at the end of the day, they take offense at him. And so this is kind of a pattern we see, one of rejection. Maybe Jesus is in entertaining or, or uh, you know, puzzling at first. Wow, who is this man who's healing everyone? But then, at the end of the day, hard hearts. They say, isn't this, didn't this guy grow up in our hometown? How could he be God's Messiah? And so for disciples, though, Jesus reveals these secrets. Um, Sunday, I just learned this at school. It's a good thing I'm a teacher because uh, I get these announcements. Sunday coming up is Mother's Day in the Middle East. So husbands, remember that, um, and uh, children, uh, remember that too. 
uh, Mother's Day is coming. Um, and we often bring flowers or make a card for our mothers. Uh, but have you ever, you know, th this next type of soil here uh, we'll, we'll look at is the rocky soil. So it says, immediately uh, receives it with joy. Here's the word, immediately receives it with joy. But there's no root. And then uh, persecution, tribulation comes immediately, falls away or stumbles. And so it's kind of, in my mind, it's kind of like flowers. They're beautiful, uh, but they're cut. You give them to your mother, and she's so, you know, wow. You get mom points or husband points. Um, but then they fade pretty, pretty soon after. And so this uh, type of soil, the word comes, but then there's a fading that happens right away um, when persecution or tribulation comes. So there's no root. It's shallow soil. Um, another one is the thorny soil um, that the, the uh, heart gets tangled up in the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. It, there's a choking that happens. In Scripture, we see maybe perhaps Judas, uh, the disciple, um, and it's, it's kind of amazing to think about him, that he was sent on mission, that he was healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, casting out demons, doing miracles, but he's one uh, to whom uh, Jesus will say, Lord, Lord, you know, didn't I do this in your name or that in your name? Cast out demons in your name. He says, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. There's another in the New Testament, Demas, Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, says he was in love with the world. And so uh, riches um, the, in and of themselves are not harmful, but the love of money is a terrible snare for, for many. But finally, the, the last, Jesus is contrasting these first three soils with the last. Um, only one of the four bears fruit, and that's the distinguishing mark. And so hears, understands, bears fruit. And this would have been shocking to the disciples because in that day, when a farmer sowed seed, uh, he could expect 8 to 15% uh, return. But Jesus says here, 100-fold, 60, and 30. So he's saying that the word of God that goes forth, um, we, might sprinkle, we might sprinkle the seed, but uh, some will take root and bear fruit. And when it does, it's... It's immense. So in these last, uh, the last parables here, the end, of, you know, the, following the, the the big, the big field, the sower, um, we see gospel growth, um, we see gospel judgment, and gospel gain. So there's these themes that Jesus weaves throughout the rest of this chapter: growth, judgment, and gain. Uh, the other field is, of course, that with the weeds. And uh, an enemy comes, and one thing that God wants to teach us is uh, patience in his kingdom. Uh, there were a lot of kingdom expectations that Jesus would come and do things immediately, or the Messiah would come and do things immediately. But he wants his people to be uh, patient. Um, now, Jesus makes clear in his explanation of the weeds. We get that in 36 and following that uh, 
the field is the world. It's not the church, but the world. And so in this world where the kingdom has dawned, the kingdom of God is here in the coming of Jesus. In uh, the sun, it just seems to be standing still in the, in the, in the disciples' hearts. You know, when is, your, when is the kingdom going to, the sun going to rise all the way and be noonday? Um, well, Jesus says at the end of the age, there will be a great separation. And to try to separate and deviate right now in the world would be harmful. And so um, the meaning of this, um, the Jewish listeners were expecting the Messiah when he comes, that there would just be one coming. But Jesus makes it clear that there's more than one coming. And God's kingdom grows side by side with opposition. Um, And we should not try to um, completely purify the world. Uh, I don't know if that that makes sense. Um, We live in a heated political climate in our day around the world. Governments, kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall, but the church is not capable of completely eradicating evil from the world. And our mission is to sow the word, not to transform the world, meaning change unbelievers um, morally without them being transformed by God's Holy Spirit. And so that's a, a a helpful word for us today because many um, are very much focused on trying to renovate uh, social structures. And those things are important. Social ministry does accompany gospel proclamation, but the church's primary uh, focus, uh, Jesus shows us, is to be patient and proclaim the word. Um, Next we see gospel growth gospel growth. So the mustard seed and the yeast. Um, In these two parables that are parallel in a sense, we see what is little um, and starts with a small beginning is incredibly powerful. So the the disciples were struggling to to understand Jesus. The religious leaders were saying that he was a false prophet. Um, The crowds were undecided. Uh, the disciples are maybe reconsidering um, or weary. So in this climate, Jesus encourages his hearers saying, um, the kingdom of God begins small, but it's going to grow and it has a huge and great future. Now, I want to encourage you um, with some things that from history and from our world today about gospel growth. Uh, Imagine we're hearing this letter, um, not, not with the crowds, not with the disciples when Jesus is saying this, but we're just a church in the first century. And uh, the pastor comes by, um, or an elder, and he reads this passage to us, and he has encouragement for his small church. Um, and he reads this mustard seed and leaven parable for us. And, and he says to them, basically, what seems small the smallest of seeds. Now, the mustard seed was a small seed in, in Jesus' day in that region, not the small seed in the world that we know of today, but in Palestine. He says, let's trust this promise. Um, what is humble will become glorious. What is unseen will be seen. What is hidden 
will be revealed. What is only whispered right now in our gatherings will be shouted in every housetop. For Christ's words and his ways, like leaven, at first imperceptible, will soon pervade and permeate the whole world. And even despite opposition and setbacks and loss and rejection and people walking away from the church, Jesus guarantees 30, 60, um, 100 fold fruit of faith. And so in history, we find that these two parables here are actually not just an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, they are, but they're also prophecy. <laughs> Jesus says, my kingdom is going to grow slowly over time. And the Roman Empire is not around anymore. We're not speaking Latin or Greek. Um, it's been gone for 1,500 years. Uh, we think of the other great empires, the Egyptian Empire, the Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Aztec Empire, the Ottoman Empire, Mongols, uh, all that is a part of history, but Christianity uh, has beat all of them and continues to grow 2,000 years later. So Jesus' gospel proclamation here has taken root and is bearing fruit and growing. The, the Apostle Paul would say this in Colossians 1, amazing, um, that the gospel is like a tree that is bearing fruit and growing all over the world. And we see that. Uh, we see that in South Korea. Um, you could take a globe and just spin it and put your finger on there, and there's, there's, there's a bird on that tree somewhere. Um, I don't even know, you know some of these places on, 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 the, on the globe, but, but Jesus does, and he is reaching people from every tribe, tongue, and, and nation. Even in hostile environments like uh, communist China or North Korea, there are devoted, committed believers there. Um, and some of these places with intense persecution, the gospel is growing fastest. So Christianity spread all over the earth. It started here in the Middle East. It spread over to Southern Europe and Western Asia, India, North Africa, Northern Europe into the Americas. Um, but there's still a lot of unreached peoples today. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of people that are unreached today, like in Japan or Jordan or Italy or even Ireland, Europe. Uh, it, there's a, a slow, slow growth there where the gospel once um, burned brightly. But some encouragement for us: uh, Christianity is is growing faster um, than the population of of the globe, the birth rate of the globe. So 1.7 percent. Uh, growth in the population, world growth is 1.2. Other religions are growing as well. Islam, Sikh, Hindus are growing quite rapidly. But evangelicals, Pentecostals are growing fastest in the world. Um, atheism is on the decline. And Christianity in cities is uh, not growing fast enough. So cities are growing faster than Christianity is growing. Urban centers. Um, we also see that there's been a move from, uh, from the west to the south. So Christianity has moved to the global south, it's called. And so there's this, been this major shift to Asia and Africa. And so I, I keep telling Dalal this, the future of the global church is Africa. So brothers from Africa, woohoo! Um, there's, there's been, uh, it's predicted the first continent with one billion believers, will, one billion with a B, will be Africa. So this is happening in our world today. 
um, great persecution, but the, the church is exploding in, in, these, in these places that we barely heard about. You know, it's a secret, you know, for their safety. We, we don't need to know all the details. Um, Asia and Africa. But um, there's so many evangelism opportunities in our day. We have the internet. We have um, kind of just a global world. And so, so what is God doing? He's, he's doing his mustard seed leaven kingdom work. Um, and that's why I'm not, at the end of the day, ultimately discouraged. Uh, we're tempted to be discouraged because pandemic. And it seems that our you know, our church has shrunk. You know, that's a reality. But if we're faithful to the fundamentals, if we are like Jesus here, he said the Son of Man is the one who gives the good seed. Uh, God gives his good word. It doesn't return void, as we read earlier. And if we, as disciples, share the, proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, um, Paul would call it the gospel of God, uh, and, and like beautiful feet people are going to come into the kingdom and so as the church we just need to continue to be faithful and we'll see a slow steady growth um, as a whole around the globe um, that's what Jesus says here um, <clears throat> there's also gospel uh, so we have gospel growth gospel judgment um, Jesus is is just not afraid of people <laughs> He's, he's not afraid to talk about things that are offensive. Um, the doctrine of hell is very offensive to many people in our world today, which I'm not sure it should be because all of us long for justice. When somebody does something wrong to us, we want to appeal to authority to, to make it right. But um, Jesus talks about fiery furnace. He talks about weeping, gnashing of teeth, which is like, uh, as far as I understand, just an intense image for pain. Um, like when you smash your finger, your teeth seem to react to that. Uh, or in other places in Scripture, when Stephen was preaching, they were so angry they were clenching their teeth. It, it's a place, hell is a place, um, Jesus tells us. It's not a time frame, but a place. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And uh, yet, he talks about it all being sorted out in the end. Um, but what did Jesus do for us? He, um, and yeah, on the cross, uh, God sent Jesus to die in our place. Um, guilty, vile, scoffing, rude, in my place, condemned he stood sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a savior. Jesus is the savior. Um, he's also the judge. And uh, I just want to share a couple, um, just under, to like, thinking about this doctrine of hell. Uh, this is coming from Tim Keller. I don't remember the title of the book. It's a compilation of articles. Um, but he says this, until we come to grips with the terrible doctrine we will never begin to understand the depths of what Jesus did for us on the cross. His body was being destroyed in the worst possible way, but that was a flea bite compared to what was happening to his soul. When he cried out, 
that his God had forsaken him, he experienced hell itself. So if, um, and then Keller goes on to say, if a, a stranger rejects us, uh, we could shrug it off. But if it's our spouse, says, I never want to see you again, that's devastating. Um, but Jesus, as the man Christ Jesus, has been walking with the Father his entire ministry here and life. On the cross, he was cut off in a, in a very real sense as man. Uh, the longer, deeper, more intimate relationship, the more torturous is any separation. So Jesus took on our sin and taking on himself the heat of fiery furnace, the unbearable separation from uh, his Father as the man Christ Jesus. And it is good news um, for us, and that's why in a couple weeks we'll, we'll celebrate Good Friday on what was a very bad Friday for Jesus. And so Jesus leaves us finally with gospel gain. Um, the, these gem parables of the, of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price, they're almost identical. One major contrast is that the, the, the person in the field um, just kind of stumbled about it, like found it, found this treasure, covered it up, and then in his joy he sells and then he buys. Um, he goes, sells all that he has, and he buys. Well, the, the, the pearl of great price, the person is searching diligently, searching diligently until he finds just the right pearl. And so some people come into the kingdom almost just like it just happens. They hear the gospel, and they, they uh, understand, they believe, and they repent and bear fruit. Other people search and search and search, and it takes time, but they come into the kingdom as well. Uh, finally, we have the, the gospel net. And so Jesus um, talks about the end of the age when um, there will be a great sorting. Uh, so the weeds, um, the parable of the weeds was the world. The gospel net is, it's more um, like side by side in the same net. <laughs> so so at the end of the age, the angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous. Uh, and so at the end of the day, um, and Jesus talks about final judgments, as, as Dave brought to us uh, last, last week in verse 50. At the end of the day, the kingdom of God is all about the heart. And all of these, all of these parables are like um, Jesus wants to encourage and strengthen his disciples. He reveals from some uh, to his disciples, but he conceals from the crowds. Um, and we see here that he concludes with this um, question to them, have you understood all these things? And they say yes. And I, I just wonder, what, what, did Jesus smile when they said yes? Uh, do they truly understand? Uh, are they overestimating themselves? Or do they recognize that they do hear and they have believed and they have responded to the gospel? And so um, just a few applications for us today. Um, God's kingdom is coming and his will is being done. And we pray this, you know, 
it's a, it's a daily prayer of us, the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. His kingdom is here, but it's not fully here, uh, but it will be fully here. Another really powerful application is, is don't be discouraged. Uh, God is working in the world today. Um, another encouragement is we have been given as disciples, we have been given God's secrets of the kingdom and we're meant to go and, and proclaim his word and uh, go and tell and there will be fruit. There will be fruit. And so let us listen intently to God's word. Let us be like this person who is trained in the kingdom. Um, I'll leave you with a quote. Um, this is from Augustine. He once said, The Old Testament is, is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So it all comes together, and we see that Jesus kind of leaves them with a parable that this person trained in the kingdom is able to uh, bring out what is new and old and explain um, explain what God has revealed. And so uh, let's close in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come before you and thank you that uh, at just the right time and just the right way that you give us your word and your word is life-giving, your word is true, and your word is sustaining. Uh, please help us to uh, continue to trust you, to listen intently, and to, um, to, to learn from you. You have com commissioned your church. You said the gates of hell will not stand against it. You will build your church. So we pray that you would continue to do that all over the globe. We pray and thank you for our brothers and sisters around the world uh, that are um, coming to faith in regions where um, that hasn't been the case. And we just thank you that you are working out your kingdom purposes. We pray that you would do that for our church as well, for our fellowship. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Would you strengthen and encourage them with the hope that your kingdom is coming? Um, help us to stand under the gospel, to, to, to be patient, and to know that you are growing, um, that you are the judge, that you are the king, um, and help us to respond uh, to your word today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.